every person that is to be in subjections to the governing authority, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. And that is Romans chapter 13. Uh, verses one and two and welcome back ladies and gentlemen to another episode of bridge radio and we are coming at you from the great state of texas i am your host aw varilla and next to me is not the president he's actually uh doing systematic theology right now so uh but we're excited what he's doing over there um and uh hopefully in next uh podcast uh, steve will be on uh so we are super excited uh that he is teaching uh, uh systematic theology right now and uh thank you for what the lord is doing in his life and the, t- the teaching ministry that we are doing here at bridge uh just a couple of, uh, updates for our listeners uh our new facility is almost completed we're super excited about that uh it should be done here by the end of april uh for some of you uh, for our new listeners you guys are not aware uh, we are moving from our little small location here uh in in laredo to another bigger facility uh and we are excited to uh move into the bigger facility uh for some of you guys uh, that already know we're going to be starting a seminary there through mints that's really exciting uh and um have just more ability to do more children's ministry again have a bigger facility to have more books uh so we're excited about that and more bibles to 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 uh, to give out and for people to purchase so so again please um please look for uh, please stop by when we open when we're, we're going to be making an announcement uh today guys we are gonna have a first time author um on a new book uh the author is oliver almond smith on his new book under god over the people the calling and accountability of civil government uh so we're looking forward to uh have uh uh, pastor oliver smith on so we're super excited about that uh again please uh don't forget to subscribe to apple android google and stitcher radio and please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org all right ladies and gentlemen why don't we get this podcast started uh, we have uh, Pastor Oliver Smith on. Uh, Pastor Oliver, thank you for coming on Bridge Radio for the first time. Um, can you just tell a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to saving faith? And welcome. Thanks, Abraham. It's so good to be with you and uh, really appreciate your warm welcome. Great to hear about what you're doing uh, there in Texas on the border. May the Lord bless you and encourage you you. in all your labors (laughs) um yeah i'm oliver i'm 51 i've been in the ministry now since 1998 and i've been ministering here in north manchester in the uk at trinity grace church um i was saved when i was 17 uh, by sovereign grace Uh, god in his great mercy and kindness uh, visited me um it was Actually, when I was in Chicago, of all places, Abraham, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. converted. Um, I was only 17, and um, I was on a school um, trip, a visit to a, 
to a school in Chicago. We were performing a Shakespeare play called Twelve Night, mm. and I was one of the characters in this play. And um, yeah, I got myself into a bit of a bad place, and and um, yeah, and it ended up in a somewhat of a mess in your great city. Mm. Uh, but the Lord, in His kindness and mercy, visited me and and called me, gave me a new heart, gave me a new desire for Him, uh, gave me faith. And through faith led me to repentance and a transformed life. So praise God for that. I very soon after that, I started to get involved in various aspects of preaching, particularly to young people. And then that developed over the years. Uh, and eventually um, I went into the ministry when I was 20, 27. I think something like that. And I've been at it uh, ever since. I'm married to Alison. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with six children. And our eldest, who's 25, is getting married in just two and a half weeks. Oh, so we're wow. Well, you congratulations on behalf of Bridge Ministry for sure. I will um, do that. Yeah, Chicago will do that to you, man. Uh, I, I really uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, you, I really appreciate that authors just uh, tell us their story where God took them from where they before to where they're at now because – uh, you know, if you if if I told you my testimony and our listeners, they know, you know, Chicago was uh, I was born there. I love the place. But, man, I was uh, uh, at times a very dark place for me, for sure. Um, but uh, but so, uh, Oliver, let's talk about your book. All right. Uh, a subject that I you know, I don't know if we are how many books are being written about this topic. Uh, is that a fair statement yeah. to say? Um, so I think, I, yeah, I think um, Abraham. I think that um, when when the COVID crisis hit us and the lockdowns began in um, the early part of 2020, mm. we we weren't really ready for the challenge that we faced. We, we were immediately posed with a question: How far should our obedience? to the civil authorities go mm. when they begin to encroach on our life and worship and ministry as churches. Now, I think we, we had thought about in advance, what would we do if we were commanded uh, uh, to do something evil or if we were explicitly persecuted? I hope we would have been ready for that. But what we weren't ready for was the blanket approach, you know, we want all businesses, restaurants, gymnasia, and churches to shut down. Mm. And we weren't ready for that. Uh, so I, I think that caused us to, to, to uh, be challenged. And we had to consider carefully what the Bible teaches on these things. And again, as many churches began to do that, it was very clear that uh, they didn't have a confessional uh, structure. You know, you mentioned your colleague who's who's doing a course in systematic theology, uh, and so isn't with us today. Many churches didn't have that systematic understanding of what the Bible taught in mm. these areas, and so they were going to take texts like Romans thirteen, Titus two, Titus three, uh, one Peter two, and they were going to say, right, we just need to do what the government say unless they explicitly tell us to do something absolutely evil or wicked. And, uh, and, and, and too many churches went along with it. And I think that led, led to a lot of trouble. 
So what we decided to do as a church here was to go back to our confession of faith, the Second London Baptist Confession, chapter 24, and ask, okay, what did our fathers in the faith, um, what did they conclude was the teaching of scripture on this very important matter? And of course, they went through very difficult years and times themselves. So they were used to persecution, they were used to trials, they were used to hardships, uh, they were used to, to the civil authorities um, muscling in where they had no right to. Mm. And, um, and, and so we, we studied that, I think, in September, October 2020 here in the church. And really, my book is, is a development of those five studies. We, we went through five Bible studies and then with the response that we received to that and the, and the fact that so many churches were desperately confused, uh, we felt it was important to put that into print. So that's, that's yeah. what we've done. So, so Pastor, uh, Pastor, can you just give our listeners, we have a worldwide audience and we have a large UK listenership, um, which is who I always find absolutely just amazed, you know, when we look at, we're like, well, people are listening to us in the UK. We're in little small border town, but praise God, all the glory to him, of course. Um, can you, because you're in the UK and here in the United States, can you just help our listeners uh, just uh, understand a little bit what that looked like in the United Kingdom when the lockdown is coming down and all this confusion that's happening, what do we do? What, what, what are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? Um, uh, Cause I can tell you here in the United States, what was happening and it was just madness. And, uh, and you're just seeing people not closing down, people closing down. And then you're even seeing some infighting within brothers in Christ about, well, you should do this. And, you know, we're, we're throwing scriptures here and there, and this is why we're supposed to do. But I, um, what's happening in the UK during this time? Yeah, very much the same, Abraham. Um, we 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 were informed at the end of March 2020 that everything had to shut down. Everybody had to stay home. Um, many businesses were closed, not all of them. Every, of course, all travel businesses, leisure businesses, retail businesses were all shut down. Um, we have a very elaborate welfare state system here, so people were paid to stay at home. I think the only people who kind of missed out on that were the self-employed. Uh, but anybody who was in employment uh, was paid to stay at home. And um, that included churches. Churches were told you must not meet. Um, it became illegal to meet. Wow. Uh, there was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, uh, confusion for a few couple of weeks over what the law stated mm. but mm. after the confusion was cleared up it was uh, it was manifest that uh, worshipers were criminalized and uh, a- any any pastor who went into his church building and opened it up on the lord's day for worship would be guilty of a criminal offense so that that's where we were that's that's our situation and um and that continued for a number of weeks. And then um, when it got to uh, July, um, it was a three-month period, March, April, May, June. That's right. So by the time we got to the mid- beginning of July in 2020, we were allowed to open again. Um, but many uh, regulations remained. There were regulations about singing. There were regulations about baptizing, regulations about having the Lord's Supper and it was very, very confusing. Many churches stayed closed altogether. Many opened up and didn't sing. 
Some opened up uh, and didn't sing, but had the Lord's Supper. Some opened up, didn't sing, didn't have the Lord's Supper, didn't baptize. Some Baptist churches opened up and followed the regulations. Government were actually saying, we prefer you, if you're going to baptize, just to sprinkle, not to dip. So some Baptist churches went down that route. Many of them deferred baptisms. It was an absolute mess, a complete mess. This rumbled on for a number of months. And then there were arguments about what was more neighborly, what was more loving to shut or to open and all of this. And then we got to November of 2020 and we had another lockdown for four weeks. Uh, And I think it was at that point that many churches began to say, this is this is ridiculous. You know, we can't keep doing this. And we were one of them. Uh, And after that second uh, lockdown effort, um, that was the point at which we said, look, we just don't believe we can do this anymore. Uh, We have to stay open. But that gives you an idea of the kind of confusion that has reigned. And I, I, I think that the level of division, the level of of of, of disagreement, um, it, it was really, really difficult, really hard for churches. So when did uh when was God putting on your heart to write this book? Is this already before the pandemic or is this coming out in the beginning of the pandemic of what this looks like or in the middle? Uh, because I, 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 I think for uh, our listeners, you know, everybody was thinking this through. I mean, I'm even thinking about just even my wife having these discussion. And then I'm just thinking even back when we were uh, some of us were meeting at our homes um, and and gathering together because, you know, churches were, were closed down or. And we we're just like, no, let's let's meet at we're going to meet at the house like a physical we're a physical building is not the church we are. Um, but what what's going on here before writing writing the book? Is this already something that you had planned or is this something that was? Well, as it, as it happens, Abraham, I, I was teaching through the confession okay. and I'd actually reached chapter 24. OK, anyway at that time in God's providence. I think Mm. if we hadn't got to that point, we'd have turned to it as a church. But we are a confessional church. We believe in the importance of confessing the faith together. And and the faith, as it is outlined in the Second London, commonly known as the 1689, is our confession. And so we said, okay, well, let's see what our fathers in the faith uh, did. What did they believe? How did they work history? So we really got into it and studied it very, very carefully in that autumn of 2020, right when we were in the middle. My colleague here, uh, Tony Flanders, he also took us through the book of Daniel in 12 studies, one chapter per study, because we felt that the book of Daniel would help us Mm. in understanding Mm. how we need to respond to the crisis. And all of this together, Abraham, gave gave us a unity. We became convinced that the government's agenda wasn't, just about covid it wasn't just about a virus mm. that there were other elements and that really we 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 mustn't just give to them the right to tell us what to do we we have to consider carefully everything that they're commanding us and everything that they are requiring from us because they are under god yes they may be over us but they are under god and as god's people we answer to god not the government. 
So, so if government are commanding us in a way which God, which is against the law of God, then we must we must do what God says. And and though the and though the civil authorities may couch it in a kind of catch-all way, oh well, don't you know? Don't think that we're singling the churches out. We're also shutting down such and such and such and such. Yes, but that misses the point. Government might have the right to shut down a restaurant or whatever. That's a different argument. But do they have the right to countermand God's instruction that we gather to worship him? Mm. And who decides? Who decides whether or not the church should gather? Is that for the civil authorities to decide in principle? Or is that for the church itself to decide in principle? And we came to the conclusion it's for the church to decide, not for the civil authorities to decide. So by all means, the position we came to was, by all means, let us hear what the civil authorities have to say. They might have information about a virus or about a public order problem or about rioting in the streets or about a terrorist threat or about some health and safety issue, a fire or whatever it may be. And we, we need to consider that. But at the end of the day, it is it is for the church to decide when and where they should meet and how they should meet and what they should do when we meet. Should we sing or not sing? Should we baptize or not? That's for the church to decide, not the civil authorities. And, and so we felt that there was an overstepping there of the remit of the civil authorities. And we drew a line and we said, no, 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 we're not going back here. Uh, the, these are things for us to determine, not for the civil authorities. And, and, and I think that that's where um, a lot of the, uh, the challenges were maybe, as you were saying, because the civil authority, the government, is imposing those rules that we must, as Christians, do this, right? And we are saying, no, we will not. And I think that in the UK, it was probably a lot harsher than what we were seeing in the beginning here in the States. Um, because what was, so if you guys were meeting in churches, what was, were they like going in there and taking you guys out and arresting you? What did that look like? I know. In yeah. Canada- well, they, they, they did allow, uh, recordings, um, live stream recordings to be made from church buildings. Mm-hmm. So uh, they didn't say you weren't allowed to make a recording, okay. uh, but you weren't allowed to have a congregation. That's the point. Mm-hmm. So you could have the preacher and you could have the technicians and so on maybe a few people but you couldn't have a congregation because the people were instructed literally to stay in their homes unless they had they had to have a justifiable reason for leaving their homes Mm. you know our situation is very similar to canada really which i'm sure you followed closely yes um and uh yeah it, it was exactly like that we we had to justify leaving our own homes that and you even had to justify inviting anybody into your home. You weren't allowed to have people into your home. So this is a massive overreach of, of, of the civil authorities in the name of a, quote, pandemic. And uh, again, there's a whole question there as to whether whether government have the right to interfere, not just in churches, but in homes and in businesses. You mm. know, pe- people have to um, earn a living now. Is it right for a government to say, we're going to prevent you from earning a living, but that's okay because we'll pay you to stay at home? Mm. I, for one, don't believe that's right. 
No. The government don't have the right to deprive you of your means of, of income, even if they do pay you to stay at home. I, I still don't think that's even right either. But, you know, the, these questions are the questions that, that were never asked before. Mm. We never thought we were going to have to answer them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. suddenly we did have to answer them. And I think just, Abraham, an, another thing is to say that, and it comes out in my book, um, particularly thinking about the ungodly magistrate. Um, you know, the, the, those who are ungodly in civil authority are not neutral. And Christians seem to think that there's a category of sort of neutral governor, the civil authority who is just looking at the evidence in a very balanced, neutral way. Well, this is the evidence about about the virus. This is the evidence about how it spreads. This is the evidence for this and that. And we're going to make a judgment. But hold on, what does our theology tell us? Our theology tells us that 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 civil authority, that civil magistrate, if he's not a Christian, is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, mm. is denying God. If he doesn't fear God, he has no wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what I think Christians, I hope Christians who've been listening to us here at Trinity Grace are beginning to wake up to is the fact that the civil authorities, if they're not Christians, are fundamentally working towards an anti-God agenda. And when you look at what happened here in the UK, that's exactly what happened. In March of 2020, when the government was locking everyone down and saying they had a slogan, stay at home, save lives, stay home, save lives. This was the, the, their phrase. Um, at that very time, they brought in emergency rules which allowed women to receive uh, what we call pills in the post, which, which enabled them to, to slaughter their own babies in mm -hmm. their own homes. So instead of having to visit an abortion clinic or a hospital or wherever they were going to have their abortion, they could simply make a phone call, say, I want an abortion. And on the basis of the phone call, they would receive pills in the post to kill their baby. Wow. So while the government is saying we want to save lives, okay. what are they actually doing? Making the destruction of life all the easier. So it's not neutral. This is the point. Uh, it, we had a shocking scenario here in the UK where the health secretary made it illegal for people to leave their homes except for certain reasons. And one of the reasons they could leave their home was to travel to Switzerland to a Dignitas clinic to, to, to um, commit suicide. So they were allowed to travel to commit suicide, but they weren't allowed to travel to go on holiday or travel to worship, but they could travel to kill themselves. It's insanity. And, and, this is, and this is a civil authority that's supposed to be neutral. So they're not neutral at all, at all. Their agenda is anti-God, and, and Christians need to wake up to that, really, honestly. So, um, so where... So the question always comes up. So where, and, and we kind of touched on it a little bit. So, you know, if I was going to say, you know, Pastor Oliver, where, 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 where do I obey the government? Where, where is my, where is my point where I just say, I can obey you here. And then I must not obey here. 
where mm. where where we have maybe gray areas that we kind of touched on um cuz we know right we said it earlier you know if if it goes against god's uh uh laws and wills for us like we disobey but i'm talking about those gray areas that we were just mentioning earlier because again you said there was a lot of confusion so you know and people have these questions what what do we do okay abram great thanks for the question and I would recommend that you buy my book. Yes, uh, we go out. get the book it, when it comes out. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's out end of April, beginning of May, first week May, and uh, you can go on to brokenwharf.com and place your order now. Wherever you are in the world, we'll get it to you uh, nice and quick. And we're also going to make it available by job lot to uh, to hopefully to outlets like yourselves yes. in the states. So, um, but 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 by all means, go online and order your copy. Now, what you will find when you look at this book, it's only a short book, 120 pages, 130 pages. I don't know exactly what it will be, something like that. What you will find is that it it lays out in the first three chapters, the principles. So let you, because you've got to get your principles right. Mm. Before you look at the practicalities, what does it mean to be a godly magistrate? What does it mean to be a godly citizen? So we address in chapter four, what if you are, called to be a magistrate how do how do you go about that as a christian and then what if you are called to be a citizen um and how do you go about that as a christian chapters that's chapters four and five chapters one two and three lay out the biblical groundwork what is the civil government and and there's three simple things that we say there. the first is the civil government is answerable to god that is so important where does civil government get its authority from from god and so to whom is civil government accountable to god every civil governor will answer to god for the power that god has given them where do they get their power from not from you or me they might be it might be a democracy but the power doesn't come from us it might be an autocracy but the power doesn't come from their tanks where does it come from it comes from god there is no authority except that which has been ordained by god What did the Lord Jesus say to Pilate in John 19? That wonderful, wonderful scene where Pilate seems to have all the power. Pilate seems to have all the cards. He's in control of the situation, so it would seem. And yet Jesus says to him in John 19, 11, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Mm. So all of Pilate's power comes from God. He's answerable to God. I mean, that's a terrifying thought. Pilate will answer to God for decreeing that the Son of God should be crucified. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, a, what, what a devastating thing it will be on the day of judgment for him to stand before God and answer for that. But he will answer for it. And every civil governor, Putin will answer for what he's doing at the moment. And Biden will answer and Johnson will answer. They'll all answer for whatever it is they've done because civil government is answerable to God. That's chapter one. Then chapter two, called by God, demonstrates that God decides what civil government should be doing. The calling of the civil government is not determined by the people. The people might say, we want our civil government to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mm. We think that civil government is there to deal with our health, to deal with our economy, and to deal with our education. But when you look at scripture, 
those none of those three things are priorities for the civil authorities nowhere in the bible does it say that god has given to the civil authorities the power to educate the population the responsibility to look after the health of the population and the responsibility to make the population economically prosperous that's not their job and yet if you were to ask most people even most christians that's what they would say it's not the job of the civil authorities primarily it's not to say that they don't have any involvement in those things and it's not to say that from time to time they shouldn't do some things in those areas that's not the point mm. the point is what does god call them to do and it's very clear in the bible yeah. god has called them to maintain law and order righteousness and justice and equity that that's the responsibility of civil government they are to defend, defend the realm from outside incursion and they are to secure within the realm righteousness peace justice equity so that the fatherless and the widow are not marginalized or mistreated so that the, the so that there's no bribery within the justice system so that there's fairness equal access to righteousness and justice for everyone and law and order so that and that leads us into chapter three empowered by god the civil government has the sword given by god to use the sword to punish the wicked and to promote the good and to defend the good yeah so that the righteous the defenseless the weak for example it is the responsibility of civil government to defend the defenseless in the womb every Amen. single baby that is put to death under the auspices of the civil authorities those civil authorities will answer for that life as surely as if they stuck a knife into their neighbor and, and, and we see in the bible what happens when we don't do that and God's judgment comes upon that nations when they kill babies. Um, Absolutely. It's it. I believe Abraham, it's not what I deal with directly in the book, but I yes. personally believe it is the great sin of our generation. It's, yes. And the re and the, how it relates to the civil authorities is it's the ultimate example of inequity, of unfairness, of unrighteousness, of failing to defend the vulnerable and the weak and the outcast. And how many times in the Bible does God have to say that he is for the outcast? He is for the vulnerable. He is for the weak. weak. And he will hold those who persecute them and defile them and, and, and ride roughshod over them. He will hold them accountable and they will be punished. I, I really like how you start uh, your chapter three. Uh, if you just allow me to just read this section again, uh, we want you to go yeah. get the book guys for our listeners. We're not going to give you everything here in the podcast. You guys know that already, but we want to encourage you to go get the book. But he says, he says civil government exists by the decree of God, which determines what it is and how it should function. Moreover, civil government is both answerable to and called by God. It is the same God who then gives the civil government the power of the sword, which you just mentioned, to encourage those who do good and to punish those that do evil. That was just so well put. I know that you just you just said it right there, but I, I really like how you just begin that chapter with that statement. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that, Abraham. And I, I think it's really important that people get their minds around that and they understand what, uh, particularly in a democracy, that we as Christians understand what is it that our civil authorities should be doing. 
this is what they should be doing. You know, the the obsession with making money, the Mm. obsession with our health system and the obsession with the education being the responsibility of civil government. It's just not biblical. It's not what God has called them to do. And they need to be about the business that God has called them to do. Now, tragically, they aren't. And that's what leads then into uh, Section 4 and Section 5. What should Christians do about this fact? Well, firstly, we shouldn't be surprised because our civil authorities are fundamentally nowadays and essentially godless, yeah. aren't they? Yes. They're godless. They're wicked. They don't love God. They don't love the scriptures. They're not listening to God. Now, the fact that in our history, both here in the UK and in the United States, there was a time when that was so uh, for many of them, that's that's history now, isn't it? That's no longer the case. Yeah. So we need to wake up to the fact that our civil authorities are fundamentally and essentially godless. And then we have to ask ourselves, okay, so they're not fulfilling their, their calling, their function, and they are uh, uh, encroaching into uh, areas of authority that they do not have. Uh, so what should we, how, how should we respond to that? Part of the answer of chapter four is, that there is an important calling for Christians in the civil realm. You know, we need Christians in the civil realm. We need godly magistrates. We need Christians to step up and to disturb and upset the godless agenda of those who hold power. We need Christians in our parliament. We need You need Christians in your Congress and in your Senate. And in your, you know, in your state level uh, institutions, to stand up and to say, "That's wicked. That's godless. That's that's dangerous." Now, whether it's in the realm of abortion or it's in the realm of whatever it may be, uh, we need to be standing up and 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 doing what is right and pointing out the agenda of the godless, because they are determined to destroy our culture, our our Christianized culture. And when you look at the scriptures, there were many godly men in scripture who, who, who carried out this calling. Think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these men. Think of the role of somebody like Mordecai in Esther's time, um, Joseph in Pharaoh's time, you know, and then throughout the history of, of, of the church. Here in Britain, you think about a man like Oliver Cromwell in the 17th century, and then William Wilberforce in the 18th, early 19th century, fighting against the slave trade and so on. Earl Shaftesbury, who who fought for the rights of the working people. These are great examples of, 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 of people who've stood up and made a difference because they have... Um, fought for justice, they fought for peace, they fought for equity, they fought for righteousness in the civil realm. And and we need Christians to do that. You know, that, and that's the first part of my answer. Public servants seeking the public good. Um, and as long as we have opportunity for that, we should be seeking to do that. Um, and also, if we have Christians working in the civil magistracy, then Christians can uh, can draw the boundary. Clearly, Christians can say, look, why are we so obsessed with health, wealth, and education? 
We should be concerning ourselves with equity, justice, righteousness, and peace. That's our calling. And then also they can be fighting against the wickedness of, of the godless civil authority. So I think that's, that's, that's the first part of the answer. And then the second part of the answer, chapter five, is what it means to be a godly citizen. And this goes back to your question earlier on, Abraham, about where do we draw the line? Yeah. Well, it's very important for us to understand as Christians that we, we do have to obey the civil authorities in the areas where God has given them power. So they have the right to decide on levels of taxation. Mm. Now, we may not like that. We may not agree with it. But we have to comply with it. They have the right to decide uh, to tax diesel petrol cars more than electric cars. They have the right to decide, you know, the speed limits on the on the roads. We may not like it. We may think it's nonsense, but we 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 don't have the right to to resist in those areas because they do have uh, they do have authority. But then we need to say, well, where don't they have authority? And this comes back to what we were talking about earlier on. They do not have authority in the spiritual realm. Mm. Under God, over the people. And it's God who has given them that authority. So they do not have the right, for example, to require you to send your children to a state-sponsored education institution and for you then to allow the civil government to educate your children. They don't have the right to do that because God has given authority over your children to you as a parent. And they don't have authority to tell you when you should worship and when you shouldn't and when you should sing and when you shouldn't, because that is a power that God has given to the church. Chapter 26 of our, of our confession he has given that right and that authority to the churches and not to the civil government. I really like that you mentioned uh, Daniel uh, and his friends. Um, I like to call them by their Hebrew names, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, um, before you know they gave them wicked names. But uh, um, do you think, um, and I'm going to tie this in with what I mentioned with Daniel's friend, um, do you think a time is coming that um, that death will come to Christians when we don't bow down to the idols of government. I think be before we get to the death issue, Abraham, I think we're simply getting to the marginalization issue. Yes, we're getting yes. to the the mockery, the ridicule, mm. the the. the the loss of opportunities for employment. Yeah. Um, so one case, for instance, that was mentioned to me last week was when a man lost his job for standing up for Christian principles in the workplace. And uh, part of the response of the legal system to that when he brought appeal was, well, you can get a job elsewhere. Yeah. So he, he lost his job in the public sector uh, and for standing up for Christian principles, uh, but he was still able to find a job elsewhere. So it's not that he's he, he's lost everything, but he's clearly going to find his life a lot more difficult as a result of that. And I think that's where we are as Christians. Yeah. 
that, that if we're going to stand up for Christ and we're going to defend the faith and we're going to resist the, the overreach of the civil authorities, then in the short term, right here, right now, it's happening right before our eyes, we are going to be marginalized and we are going to find things more difficult. We're going to find areas of public life shut off to us. This isn't new. This has happened before. Yeah. But, you know, institutions are going to be shut off to us. Opportunities are going to be shut off to us. Employment is going to be shut off to us. We're going to be increasingly marginalized. I think that's what's going to happen in the short term. And then as time develops, we're going to begin to be shut down more and more. Mm. So what what we say is going to be policed, how we say it, where we say it. So, for example, right now, it might be okay for me to tell my children in the home biblical morality, biblical sexual ethics. It might be okay for me to do that in the church now as well. But it wouldn't be okay for me to do that in the workplace. I can't go and have a, get all, all my employees together in, in the civil realm and say, this is what the Bible teaches about about uh, sexual ethics. And well, I can't do it in the workplace, but I can do it in the church and I can do it in the home. I can see the day coming when they're going to make it illegal in the church. And then they'll make it illegal in the home. Yeah. So th- this is this is the encroachment that is coming. They will their agenda is to shut down the gospel. It is to shut down Christianity. It is to give free license for ungodliness on 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 a on a cultural scale on the scale of our culture so that there are no boundaries particularly in the realm of sexual ethics yeah um which is a uh, a huge battle in a huge battlefield that's happening right now uh i don't know if uh if you uh there's a there is a satire website here in the states and maybe you've heard of it called the babylon b uh they got their twitter account shut down uh, because they had, um, I, I only, so, uh, times magazine, a set put, uh, woman of the year, uh, secretary state, uh, uh, well, her name is, his name is Richard Levine. He identifies as a woman. Well, uh, the satire Babylon B set put out a, a satire saying, uh, the first annual, uh, man of the year, Richard Levine, and they shut down their Twitter account because he identifies as a woman. Babylon B is, it, it is a Christian satire place and, uh, uh, or, uh, 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 publication. And they, they got shut down because they wouldn't take that post down because yeah. they so, were So sick. you've got, You've got an area of, of public life there, which yeah. is which is online, and they're shutting you down, and they yeah. will shut us down more and more. more. And so I think what, what we're seeing now, Abraham, is a marginalization yeah. of Christians and Christianity uh, and a, a vilification of Christians and Christianity, and that's going to gather pace and momentum. So when we see in the midst of all of this uh, civil authorities shutting down church buildings, shutting down worship, as we saw here in the UK, we don't just say, oh, well, this is the government acting purely for the uh, for the interest of uh, in the interest of public health. No, we we say, hold on, there's a hidden agenda here. There may be a public health issue, a part of it, but that's definitely not the full picture. And we've got to wise up 
and sit up. So, for example, in our second lockdown here in the UK, we were told as churches explicitly we could not meet to worship. Worshippers were criminalized, but you could meet uh, to run a food bank and you could meet to run a support group for, you know, single mums or homosexual people or whoever it was, you know, marginalized grouping or something like that. And you and you could open your building for, for different kinds of things, but you couldn't open your building for worship. Now, Christians, come on, wake up. What 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 is happening there is that is that worship is being marginalized because the civil government are saying it is more important that we feed your your community's body than mm. that we feed your community's soul. Wow. The salvation of the body is everything. The salvation of the soul is secondary. Wow. And we stood up at that time as a church and we said, this is wrong. The soul is more important than the body. And we as Christians have, have, have given in to this, this false agenda. We've got to stand up and, and call it out as wrong. So, so uh, Oliver, uh, before we land this plane here, uh, just two questions. Is the church prepared? And two, um, what kind of encouraging words would you have for the Christian during these tough times with government and yeah. civil, civil magistrate? Yeah. yeah, well, the simple answer to your first question is that churches at large are not prepared. Mm. And churches at large need to get prepared. And the way to be prepared is to study it is to think these things through. It is to feed off the wisdom of the ages. It is to, to get your confession of faith out and read it and study it and understand it and to understand how our fathers in the faith implemented these things. And, and it is to get serious. It is to understand what's going on in our culture and to wake up and to stop sleeping. Mm. Uh, you know, churches need to wake up and wise up and be willing to stand and be counted. So I think that's the answer to the first question. And, and, and where is the hope for the Christian? The hope for the Christian is here. We're not insurrectionists. Mm. We're, and I point this out in the book. We're, we're not about going out onto the streets and rioting and, you know, all this nonsense. Uh, you don't see Daniel uh, and his three friends doing that. You don't see mm. Joseph doing that. Yeah. You don't see Jesus doing that. But what you do see is resistance. You do see resistance. Jesus would not cooperate with Pilate. Joseph would not go along with, with, with wickedness and, and immorality. Daniel would not go along with, with idolatry, nor would his three friends. So it, what you see in every instance in the scriptures and, and, and those throughout the history who've, who followed the biblical principles is, is a resistance of the authorities, not a defiance of them, not a rebellion against them, but a resistance of them under the banner, as, as we have in Acts 5, we must obey God rather than men. So there's a challenge for your listeners and for any Christian. Who are you going to obey, God or men? Because now is the time when the distinction is, is becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. Who are you going to obey, God or men? Who is your master? Yeah. God or, or, or the civil authorities, because increasingly the civil authorities are going to ban you from doing what God says 
and you've got to stand up and say no we're going to obey god rather than men and if we're persecuted then remember matthew 5 8 9 10 11 12 you know blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake you'll be blessed so there's days of blessing for the church coming because we're going to be persecuted yeah and that will be a blessing to us as we obey god by his grace and look to him and it'll be hard and there'll be suffering but but it will bring us blessing yeah and i and i recommend people go and read uh daniel chapter 3 verse 16 in the accounts of uh shadrach meshach and bendigo hananiah azariah and um and his friends what they tell king nebuchadnezzar i think it's one of the best speech one of the one of the best speech responses to an evil king uh because and and just how how these hebrew boys just knew god that you know that that they were going to be obedient to a holy god and they knew that they can save him but even if he doesn't he, you know, they say it. We're not going to bow down to that. It's a great it, for our listeners. Just go read, go read Daniel, and and you just see, just see what what, I, what a great I, response. Um, I get very, I get very excited about that in the book. <laughs> I do. So, so I, I quote them, and what men of God they were, what courage they had. They were standing. Everyone else bowed down. Yeah. Everyone else face on the floor. <laughs> And these three guys are standing up there. They must have stuck out like sore thumbs. Oh, man. Nebuchadnezzar was incandescent with rage. Why won't you bow down? Why aren't you afraid of me? And they just look him in the eye and say, effectively, to paraphrase, we're not afraid of you. Mm. We fear God. Yes. And you've got nothing on us. Yes. Bring on what you will, life or death. We are, we're, we're not going to budge. <laughs> well, Pastor Oliver, that went quick. Uh, and uh, again, uh, thank you for coming on. But here before we end the show, Romans 10, 14 says, how would they, how would they call on him who they've not believed? And how would they believe in whom they have not heard? And how would they hear without a preacher? Can you share the gospel, the good news to our worldwide audience today? With great pleasure, Abraham, yes. The, the good news of the gospel begins with the truth about the human heart. The truth about the human heart is that we are all born in sin. The truth is that we are all deserving of judgment because in our hearts there is a principle of rebellion against the God of the universe, which one man has called a cosmic rebellion. That's a good description. Every time we sin, we are perpetuating the rebellion against the God of the universe. And we are the problem. The problem isn't the government. The problem isn't the guy next door. The problem isn't Putin. The problem is all of us, all of us. We are all the problem. And we have that sin principle within us. And the Bible teaches us and our experience tells us we cannot break the chain that ties us to sin. And that is why we need a champion, a redeemer a savior, a Christ, one who will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ does. He comes, he lives the life we could never live. He suffers and dies and pays the price for sin we could never pay because he obeyed the father in everything, because he was perfect in his obedience to every command of God. 
because he rendered up a life of service to God that was truly um, pleasing to the Father. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When he went to that cross, he paid the price for sin, which means that his, his death is the atoning sacrifice. It is the answer to sin. He pays the price in full. The God-man gives himself for us. And by paying the price for us on the cross, he offers to us the free gift of redemption, deliverance from the power of sin, the presence of sin, the pollution of sin for time and for eternity so that when he returns, we can really dwell with him in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell, where there'll be no more civil authorities mucking things up, but there'll be one Lord, one King, one ruler, one sovereign reigning over a renewed earth, which is no less than heaven on earth. And that is ours by faith. We have to believe and through faith, we are led into repentance. We turn around, we're given a new heart and we have the power and the strength and the ability to repudiate sin, to combat that principle of rebellion that's within us. That is the gift of God by the power of his mighty Holy Spirit. So that God the Father has chosen us. He has redeemed us in and through God the Son. And by the power of God the Holy Spirit, regenerated us and given us eternal life. That's the gospel. The greatest news you'll ever hear. So why won't you repent and believe? The only reason would be because you love your sin too much. Hmm. So let it go. Ask God to forgive you and he will save you. And Christ will be your champion and your redeemer. You'll be filled with his spirit and you'll never regret it. Even if the civil authorities do persecute you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing the good news. All right. For our listener guys, get go get the book under God over the people, the calling and accountability of the civil government uh, by Pastor uh, Oliver Smith. Uh, Oliver, where can our people find you on social media? Again, if you want to be found, uh, if you're on social media, website, at your church, uh, for people visiting the UK, for the people that are in the UK and want to stop by your church, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm not a social media guy, but uh, the two websites where you can find us, there's brokenwolf.com, which is where the book is, is That's a publisher. advertised, yeah. and they're the guys that will be publishing it. It's called Broken Wolf because that's the part of London where our Confession of Faith uh, was adopted in 1689 by our fathers then. So brokenwolf.com is where you get the book. And then our church website is trinitygracechurch.net, trinitygracechurch.net. And uh, we keep our website updated every week uh, with all kinds of interesting and valuable, important stuff. Uh, we'll probably put a link to this podcast on it when it, when it comes out. Uh, so um, do, do go have a look there and you can get my sermons on sermon audio as well. Awesome. So guys look out for the book mid April, end of April, possibly, uh, under God over the people, the calling and accountability of civil government. Pastor Oliver Smith. Thank you. 
thank you for coming on Bridge Radio. And we will be praying for you for your efforts that you are uh, doing over there in the UK. Thank you for writing this book. We are looking forward to have it here at Bridge Ministry so people can purchase as well. I think it's a great, great subject and really love how you uh, put your book together. And, and, and again, people, go get it. We're going to go get it. All right. We can't give you everything in a podcast. Uh, the purpose is for you to go get the book and read and apply these truths because, man, this world is just is, is, is just crazy right now. Amen. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this week's episode with uh, Pastor Oliver Almond Smith on his new book that will be released here uh, under God over the people, the calling and the accountability of civil government by Broken Wolf Publishing. Uh, again, it was great to have him on. Guys, this is a very important uh, topic, uh, and we really appreciate Pastor Oliver coming on, on how much authority the government has over uh, us as Christian people, as 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 uh, Jesus followers. Uh uh, again, you know, this has been a, a topic on everybody's mind with the lockdown and everything that's been going on the last couple of years, things that we've never seen before, you know, a, a complete shutdown. And it it, it it is a wake up call for us. Um, I believe it's going to get worse, but, you know, I, I'm not I, I don't know. But again, I hope that we are getting prepared, as Pastor Oliver was saying, that we need to be reading we need to be learning the truth and where um where where it stops you know we we have a limit of when a limit where where we obey government and um again if you guys have any questions you know please please reach out to uh pastor oliver uh out in the uk and for our uk listeners you know please go visit go visit trinity grace church you know uh uh and 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 talk to those guys uh, it, it was a really good topic. It was a great interview. Uh, please, uh, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, we're working on, on uh, some things with our social media. It's been a little bit slow on things being uh, released, but we're hopefully looking to catch up. We're in the middle of just a lot here at the ministry, but hopefully we can just see some more consistency in what we're doing on that side. And guys, like we always like to end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. To next week, guys.